0: Every day I'm shuffling.
1: Hello and welcome to Bad Music Hurts, the friendly music club where my brother and I discuss our favorite music. Or maybe we won't. You know, it's not quite clear how this is going to go. I guess it's up to fate. Anything can happen today. This is episode 17, and today we're going to be doing something entirely different, uh, leaving the music we listen to and discuss up to fate, up to the venerable shuffle button. And with me today to, I guess, provide emotional support, maybe, or talk about our favorite music, uh, if things go according to plan, is my brother and Guinness World Record holder for the owner of the oldest MacBook in existence. It's my brother, Michael Baraklitz. Hi, Michael.
0: Hello. Hello. It's 2013. It's it's limping by. It's getting by. So <laughs> 2013, no,
1: <laughs> no, that is a 2012 model. I got news for oh, you. right,
0: right. I bought it in 2013. That's when it was purchased, so...
1: You do you do realize in two years, Ellie, your, your MacBook will indeed be as old as Ellie from the last one us part one. Like, <laughs> uh, can you just take a minute to just let let that absorb, let that soak in?
0: Oh boy, yeah, this is this computer. I'm I'm noticing it it limping by. It's it's starting to get slower, but hey, you know it it works. I can still use it for this. But I don't know. Maybe I'll just have to put a new laptop on the bad, bad music hurts tab, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, in our expansive business resources. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. expensive
1: to the business.
0: <laughs> if we're nothing else, we're mm. at least uh, putting out stuff frequently for users, right? <laughs> Our,
1: yeah. Our, our, yeah, let's go with that. Our
0: year gap. <laughs> we certainly make stuff. Yes. That's our tagline. We we certainly do make stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I, dear. I, I I am forwarding you there is a non-zero percent chance that SpongeBob music comes up on my on my first shuffle.
1: <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Here's the thing. I I do feel I'm at a slight advantage to not be embarrassed because I did do a thorough music cleansing in, what was it, like 2014 or 15 when I was in college and Oh, uh, That's when I was like, okay, only albums are going to be in this music library. That's it. And I got rid of everything, like most everything out of the library, except like some of the most recent stuff. So there is embarrassing stuff in here. Don't get me wrong, but it's, uh, I will say, spoilers, there is no SpongeBob. SpongeBob <laughs> did not make the 2015 <laughs> cut. It's gone.
0: <laughs> I, I'm the opposite. So you remember when I, uh oh, who gifted me? It was it Amy gifted me a really old mp3 player that literally was powered off of like a single double a battery in the back and had this like yeah, what was that like an i river or something oh, oh oh, okay now you're jogging my memory yes i think it was an i river let me let's oh do a, no. do a little google action i river mp3 player
1: i i definitely remember it, it had like a triangular toblerone shape to it
0: yeah yeah Yep. it was a ah. Ver- uh, okay i think i found it i think it's at least very similar to this
1: i could verify because I, I i do have a distinct memory of this very sh- uh mp3 player like that thing, there's no way that thing held more than a couple hundred megs of music at most yeah so this is it
0: this is i'm pretty yep, that's confident. it
1: that is a hundred percent it yep that's that's the iRiver. <laughs>
0: so back wow. in the back in the day i think i think amy gifted me this and she helped me put songs on it i'm sure this is like i don't remember if this is before itunes or or what but put songs on it which included like a weird mix of like cds and her stuff so i got A weird... All the way back to I River days is still carried through on my library, so... Wow. uh, Holy moly. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed
1: bag. Also, you were very generous to call Amy giving you the I River a gifting. It was... Every bit a hand-me-down. Oh, like it? you okay. would passing
0: off an old raggedy sweater that doesn't quite fit right. <laughs> that was what that was. Yeah. Oh, that's right. She got the Nano. That's what it was. She she got gifted the iPod Nano with the rubbery yellow, like, casing over it. You remember? Oh,
1: God. I remember her, her rubbery yellow case. Yes. <laughs>
0: it looked like a creamsicle. Oh, my God. That
1: thing was so disgusting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this will be fun. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, essentially, mechanically, what we're going to be doing for the listeners is I will be in the music app. I will be going to the left hand column in songs. And each time I pull the slot machine, I'll be right clicking songs and clicking shuffle music and we'll see what pops up. (laughs) So uh, who wants to go first, I guess.
1: All right. I'm pretty sure you can do this in Google. Um, call heads or tails? Mmm. Tails. Tails. All right, then I'm heads, and it is heads. Sure, I'll go first. I'm a little bit nervous to press the shuffle button here.
0: I was afraid.
1: I was bracing for something way worse, and this is totally fine. <laughs> bon Iver, how pleasant. Um, it's pronounced Bon Iver.
0: Oh, excuse oh, you. Oh, <laughs> oh,
1: how dare I? <laughs> but it actually is. It actually is. Bon, bon Iver. Iver. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. It's, it's like a. It's French. Oh, it's French. <laughs> no, it's Bon Iver for sure. Oh yeah, don't you know Bon oh, Iver?
0: <laughs> My Midwest is showing. Yeah, Bon Iver, eh? <laughs> such a pleasant album this is. I mean, it's kind of melancholic in, in some aspects, but songs such as like Perth and "Minnesota, Wisconsin," and uh, this how you want to call it "Mischa Chant," a Chant." Can't? Yeah, it's weird. Like, these are actual places, obviously, like, this is, this
1: is obviously Michigan, but he, like, purposefully mucks with the names a bit to make them, like, slightly off, which also adds to the really weird dreamlike state that... The whole album sort of resides in. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when you wake up in the early mornings and like somewhere in the wild and like the North Midwest, like Wisconsin or wherever, and the dew is everywhere. It's pretty cold, maybe even a little foggy. It's comfortable, but there is something cool, chilling about the atmosphere as well. It's it, It's a little bit unsettling in that regard, but also still got that comforting peace and quiet to it and that the, the whole Bonnie Vare self-titled exudes that particularly Michigan oh god now you got me doing it Mi- Michigan Michican Michigan Michigan? Yeah, Michigan. Michigan. I say Michigan. Yeah, I say Michigan. God, we both we both went for
0: that low hanging rotten yep. fruit. So, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head. I mean, it's it's very it's very upper Midwest where, I mean, the environment is very, very harsh where, I mean, up in Upper Peninsula, Michigan, they don't typically break 60s until even in May it's freezing. It, it Like the water maintains 40 degrees, even Lake superior in May, and it's still chilly. Like there's a lot more seasonal latency and inertia in winter uh, for the upper region. So you're probably like the environment has that cold aspects but i mean everyone in the upper midwest tends to be really warm and welcoming and all that i mean that hence the the phrase midwest nice right so yeah um yeah i know i'm looking at their album art right now too and it i really like the the artwork done here it looks like a watercolor painting Well, it's beyond that. It's got a 3D element to it. There's like little
1: model trees and like model paper and things literally peeling away from it. So it's got depth and character to it in the same way that you would from a good oil painting. But like there's literally models on this painting as well. So it's got like You know, it's a little bit easy to miss if you're looking at a compressed version of the image. But um, a high res version of the album art or like the actual LP art is uh, it's a little bit more clear to see all the different elements jutting in and out of the piece. And it's really it's really
0: beautiful to look at. Yeah, I want to see if I can pull up a higher res image of this. Yeah, take a look. It's pretty wild. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the red peeling up kind of looks like... um... A little bit of a collage in that sense. Yeah, you're right. It does have some 3D aspect of like little like toy miniature trees, like you're saying, like you would almost see on like a little miniature train set, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of what it looks like. That's kind of neat. I didn't. It, yeah, you're right. You can't tell that in the mini player in the music app, but on this higher res, you can definitely see those 3D aspects, even down to like the the snow little balls down in the lower left too. Yeah, it's super cool. And
1: like, there's um, silhouette snowy tree cutouts as well down there there's just a whole lot to see um and uh it's all very textured and it's very uh dreamlike in that if you actually look at the perspective going on here like none of this actually makes sense like structurally Mm. um like this this wouldn't be able to exist this sort of layout here like there's a house in the upper left and another house like in the center and like that that wouldn't quite work from because they're like both from different perspectives, but as a whole, the whole thing seems to make some weird, like dream sense. Uh, you get the sense that if you were in this place and you tried walking, you'd be walking in that like really slow, you know, fever dream style walking where you're not even moving necessarily where you want to move. Again, it, it's weird. It straddles that unsettling and like comforting and peaceful fence like perfectly for me because it's
0: it it has its feet in both sides yeah you're right because even in the upper left right here almost is like there's a mountain range just like floating off into the distance yeah none of it actually
1: makes sense uh it's just like there's little pieces that are consistent but then all of the pieces and
0: taken as a whole it it doesn't gel it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. this is also just like perfect nap music in my mind too it is it really is not in a bad way right I don't know it's got like that sense to it right it's calming in my mind but you're you're right it does kind of have that underbelly of kind of an unsettling kind of melancholic to it yeah but I hear you about nap music Kai sometimes puts this on and falls asleep to it oh really interesting well so does this mean it's my turn <laughs> it is your turn oh boy I'm you're on the chopping block all right here we go end of songs right click shuffle here we go pulling the lever now God, that violin. Yeah, no kidding,
1: right? Going in. I have vivid memories of associating this with the first and only summer that I was working back at home when I was uh, in college, and that was the last summer I spent at home. That's right, because you are doing that
0: last summer
1: as lifeguard, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the freshman summer, the one and only summer off that you get as a drexel student and then from there on out you're in school or in internships until you graduate and then from there on you're on your own but yeah i got i uh maybe legally maybe not you know uh, no one can prove anything <laughs> could have potentially ripped this from the uh st charles public library a uh, cd copy you know no one can prove it <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Threw that into uh, my iPad, theoretically, possibly, and listened to that every drive to and from uh, lifeguarding. And it just was very appropriate because the whole Suburbs album, one of the main motifs is exploring the impact the Suburbs had on the band leader, what is it, Win or Will, growing up. And it's, it's not all negative and it's not all positive. It is kind of like this weird tepid, melancholy look back. Like, there's a lot of negativity about it, about the destruction of the natural forests, and putting down more pavement, and more driveways, and more strip malls, and things of that nature. But then he does spend a lot of time talking fondly about how they wasted time just walking around, and his neighborhood friends that he really misses, and all of that. And I had a lot of similar thoughts after being in the city for the first time on my own for half a year and then coming back to this, you know, it was, um, a very formative
0: time. I like hearing that perspective. I I think you have a unique one, right? Where, I mean, we both grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, right? Far West suburbs, like an hour away. And then, yeah, being dumped into Philly then for school, I can imagine coming back was kind of like a, kind of that welcome feeling of like, ah, like, yeah, to your point, it's, the suburbs are ugly. <laughs> we got Strodes, is what they're called, like the street roads, strip malls. And it's just like the, what they call the sprawl. Like it's objectively garbage and ugly. Right. But to your point, like there is some comforting nostalgia to that in the sense of like, oh, that's what we kind of grew up with. So there is kind of like, oh, I'm back home. I'm not then in this big grand city. So that's it's interesting to hear your perspective on that. I, I never knew that. This album for me is, I think, even more and more relevant in the sense of just, I think more people our generations are getting more just like skeptical of expansion and building progress because our generation just sees the stark contrast of you have articles saying, oh, we got limited water resources that people are just ignoring and yet still building, right? And- I don't know. I think this this album always makes me think of that. It's like that struggle like I think I think humanity will have in the future, right? Of our economics are predicated on growth, but we live in a finite world and how we juggle that with kind of the sprawl. And yeah, it's interesting. Uh, maybe economics will pivot to a more like quality-centric economy where we make things of quality as opposed to just making things to make things, right? So, yeah, that's a very interesting point about the Uh, quality
1: aspect, because I feel like The Suburbs does, like, it's not a focal point, but it is definitely in the fabric throughout the entire record. Even the cover, it looks like there's a cheapness to it. Like, it's a color uh, newspaper dot print. Yeah. It feels like it immediately belongs in the trash. Like, the color's off, even. Like, it's color ink cartridges running out near the end, printing out the right side of the album, and that's why the whole bush is red. So, the whole thing is just cheap and disposable and Mm. there's that feeling that a lot of the houses they discuss are cheap and disposable as well often just called houses instead of homes and that's an intentional lyrical choice Mm. yep it it permeates the entire record that feeling of disposability and
0: frivolity. exactly i mean like that's that's the whole reprise of the album right sometimes i can't believe it i'm moving past the feeling again I like how it's general. What he's describing there is the feelings of both, I don't know, kind of cherishing that experience of those suburbs, but also that, like, it is a bit unsettling because you, again, have that dichotomy of, well, I, I know that there's harm to the environment and the resource consumption and what, like, it's kind of ugly and it, like, kind of to what the, the co-singer is, like, saying in some other songs here, like, I wish someone would just shut off the lights, like, Right? So I, I, I really like that theme And that discussion that they kind of play with In this album for sure I would like to think that we're not done talking about the suburbs. I did write about
1: it and it's one of the worst things I ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you've been wanting to talk about it. Specifically, you've been trying to get Amy to listen to it as well. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful one of these days we'll be able to have a thorough discussion on it with Amy on because I would love to hear her perspective on this because I mean, obviously she grew up in the suburbs like both of us, but uh, I do feel like she has a, special relationship with the suburbs just because she caught the tail end of like a really tight-knit neighborhood Mm -hmm. before that sort of disappeared and we moved shortly after I guess it was destroyed by people moving out or just relationships changing but there's like that critical influx point where everything sort of was right and all of the kids were hanging out and really enjoyed each other's company and it was just a really nice time like there was what like ghosts in the graveyard mm-hmm. and tag and stuff always happening. There's always something going on in the neighborhood. So ah, uh, yeah, I feel like he's got a special mm-hmm. uh perspective that would, I think, really bring some thoughtful insight to a
0: listen to this with us. But I agree. Uh, I agree. Cause like thinking back to that too, it kind of reminds me of what we were talking about, Vid Noir, right? Where I was saying Vid Noir is kind of a taking the world of the 90s tech, right, and kind of throwing on a veil of nowadays skepticism about technology, right? It's kind of you get this kind of like tension and juxtaposition between the two where you have this like kind of VCR kind of CRTV feel right to that album where it's like, oh, this feels 90s tech to me based on how they produce and mix it. But it's with that overlay of this kind of skepticism, right? Where traditionally, like when I think of the suburbs, I think more of that 80s, 90s era where it's like, technology is optimistic humanity's kind of like looking forward to the capabilities and what it can do for us and and it's like just the right amount of connection right where oh you you have to go out to your point ride bikes and play around to meet up with other kids in the neighborhood and everything like that it's just it's a bit different right world's changed not saying that what the change is for the worse. it's just i i think that's what i think about a lot with this album is kind of the 80s 90s like oh i want to go play a Our neighbor, well, just hop on the bike and go out. Like tech pessimism is a huge part of the record
1: about like how we're sending email. Well, I guess for the kind of time period this is set in, it would be like emails as opposed to text messages. But it's just as applicable today with text messages and TikToks and things about like, you know, you're doing all this vapid, instantly disposable, very impersonal, weirdly impersonal forms of communication. And like, when's the last time you actually wrote a letter to someone like with your handwriting, signed your actual name to someone, maybe even someone you love when was the last time you did that. And of course, then there's Deep Blue itself, which is talking about like, how literally the shadow of technology and in a broader sense, artificial intelligence is all consuming, all encompassing and um, is only growing further and further with time to the point where even chess grandmasters are obsolete. Yeah, it's, it, it, there, it is definitely a focal point of the album, specifically near the tail end. Oh, I could talk about this forever. I love this album.
0: Yeah, yeah I think some interesting like supplemental like material to this as well as um no dumb questions just came out with a new podcast I, it's not directly relevant to this but i think in terms of general themes and discussions it, it kind of has some some overlays where they discuss the general quote tough times make strong men strong men make easy times easy times make weak men weak men make hard times Is kind of the like cyclical nature of it and like i kind of think there's some similarities right to the suburbs kind of strikes that point of, well, this is the good times. This is the strong people making the good times. But then it's also this feeling of, yeah, I don't know, that skepticism. Oh, Are we getting weak? Where's this all headed? And that feeling kind of of emptiness of impersonality, right, of this new te- technology and everything like that. So I'll send that along. I think it's it, it's an interesting discussion in my mind. I mean, that's directly addressed in modern man, mm-hmm. like one
1: to one about that feeling of emptiness and listlessness, really. That definitely is something felt by the generation just coming out of college and, you know, the crash of 2008, feeling like their destinies are always decided by others. They were not really in control of their own fate. They were sold a bill of goods that's effectively worthless, and now they're how many hundreds or tens of thousands of dollars in debt. And yeah, a lot of it's still relevant today, unfortunately. Is it my turn?
0: Yes, it's your turn to pull the slot. Yeah. Oh boy. Here we go. Bennett yeah mm-hmm
1: and Bill Evans
0: God I heard about this through an incomparable podcast oh who was it
1: maybe it was Glenn Freshman.
0: yeah it may have been Glenn I this is this is music that just like calms me I love this music it, it reminds me you know how we're talking like seasonality of music this reminds me of wintertime like I listen to this a lot during winter like on a long car drive it's just like calming so what best way to describe it? Yeah, there's something about old school
1: vocal jazz. Yes. Any kind of vocal jazz, or in some cases even just regular jazz, feels very wintry and cold to me. Uh, in the, In a way that, like, it's cold outside, but it's warm inside. Like, I can picture a fire in front of me. Maybe I have a hot cocoa. Like, it's sort of that ambiance to it. And I feel that's in two parts. Uh one part because of uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Like that is a huge huge part of that. That's so ingrained in the popular consciousness uh, as like Christmas music. And it's it's just jazz. So um even somewhat similar jazz styles feel very Christmassy, very wintry. But then also a lot of the classic Christmas songs that we grew up on are just vocal jazz, um, sometimes big band jazz, but that's a lot of the classic Christmas music that we grew up on. And, and that's what this is, it's just vocal jazz. So it is kind of funny that, I mean, it obviously wasn't intentional, but that's just sort of the way it's it's morphed. Because those are the oldies for Christmas that tend to be repeated the most. So those are what we grew up on. And that sort of, that genre becomes kind of like Christmas songs to us. So it is it does carry this wintry essence to it. And I love it for that. Like, I love those sort of olfactory memories and senses that come back to me from listening to music like this.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I really like, I mean, th- th- this whole album just has a sense of intimacy to it. Like, you kind of feel like you're in a private concert with these two. This is a sipper album. They sit down, a leather couch. Some scotch. <laughs> or some oh, it, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And I mean, I love the album art
1: for this, too. You just got a Tony Bennett Lennon on the piano as Bill Evans is doing his thing. And y- you get the sense. I mean, obviously, they weren't recording it exactly like that. But the intimacy that you feel throughout the record feels very much like the cover of the album, where they're just there performing together for a short
0: time. And, and that's it. Yeah, that's a good descriptor. It's almost like you get the sense that, yeah, he's not fussing with the vocals. He's a great vocalist, but he ain't fussing. Like, he, it, yeah, it's kind of that informality, right, to it. It kind of has that feel throughout the entire album that, yeah, I'm just leaning against this piano. <laughs> we'll, we'll get through this. <laughs> yeah, and
1: it's welcoming because of that. It feels inviting. It feels approachable it feels grounded. So it is something that is very digestible and very just human because of it. Yeah, Yeah. I agree.
0: I'm glad we stumbled upon this. I kind of forgot about Tony Bennett for a while there. So it's nice (laughs) to stumble across it again.
1: Yeah, I always bring him back up around Christmas time, thanks to the incomparables uh, recommendation, because I really didn't have anything of Tony Bennett's prior. So it is kind of fun to get some historical um, music in my library. I'll never say no to that. And to get something that's you're not necessarily like jingle bell, jingle bell, but uh, it brings about fond memories of growing up around Christmas time. So it is a nice tool in the tool belt for when the season starts to get cold again. Yeah, exactly. I do believe it's your turn.
0: All right, grab my hand on the handle, and here we go, chink. album freaking rocks man they they just jam <laughs> i the december the way i liken them is <laughs> um english majors the band <laughs>
1: like. it really is it <laughs> truly is the they're just a bunch of dorks and i love it the esoteric old style language and words That they use feel like something out of like romantic period novels or poetry and it does feel in a sense like you're reading some of those older novels and short stories like Oliver Twist and Great Expectations and things as some of the vignettes that they tell at least in their earlier albums. So to see them go like full stage Mm -hmm. musical production in hazards of love where every song just sort of bleeds into the other and it's all just of a piece. You can almost picture them on a stage performing it, which is funny because in Picaresque, one of their earlier uh, records before this, I don't think it was the one directly before this, but, you know, it was was one of their ones before it. It's literally that with them like pretending they're putting on a play, which is funny because that's literally what this one is, is just from front to back a nonstop
0: theatrical performance. Yeah, exactly. This is a fun one to listen to because, like you say, there's the temporal continuity. The story's in chronological order and every song instrumentally leads into the next, into a pretty cool rock opera and it's heavy metal. It's like heavy metal opera. I mean, the even album art is like almost Tim Burton-esque trees, like woven about to spell out the hazards of love. And uh, what guest vocalist did they have that was um, the Margaret in the tiger or like the mom in this in the story? Because she. Oh, you fr- mean the 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 Fay Woodland mother? Yeah. Is that what you're talking yes. about? Yeah, all right.
1: I believe it is My Brightest Diamond. So I unfortunately don't know the artist's actual name. But uh, yeah, My Brightest Diamond. She's great. And uh, it definitely brings a gravitas for sure. And and nothing against any of the actual bandmates and their singing. But to have, you know, for a character in this album that's supposed to be so, like, removed and unsettling and otherworldly, to have... A guest come in to perform her, and oh, and have this sort of this this power and this dominance to them. Uh, oh man, my brightest diamond just nails it out of the park because it, she's car- the way she carries herself. You know, she's got the grace, this fey queenliness about her, but she's got this firmness to her that that makes her deeply unsettling and uncomfortable. Like you would not want to be at night in the woods meeting this queen because she she just as soon save and raise you as soon as kill you um you very much get that sense from the way that she performs this role so and it is it is a performing a role the way that the uh the whole album is structured it's just so theatrical it's great yeah i agree oh god and you're right they they never rock as hard as they do on this like they do dip into metal uh a few times throughout this which is really fun to see like they should try doing more of that uh and, well, i know maybe they did i don't listen to their newer stuff it's not that great <laughs> and
0: I, I like i like the duality right with the woman lead singer and the male lead singer too and it kind of reminds me of the duality of the lead singers in Amaral fallow as well where they kind of they, they almost clash a little bit in their vocals, but I think it adds like depth to the music. So it's I don't know yeah this is this is a pleasant surprise tumbling back across this one again. Yeah, but I, I 100% agree about like
1: I don't want perfect singers. Perfect singers are boring singers. What makes combinations of vocals? fresh and interesting is the imperfections is the things that makes them kind of weird or quirky like classic example is Crosby, stills nash and if you want to include young go for it like some of them sing very oddly and like they do a good job at it but their voices individual voices are a little bit strange but something about all of them together it's better than the sum of their parts like it elevates them into this new sonic thing and to a lesser extent, that's also with like Paul McCartney and Wings. Uh, Linda McCartney is not a great singer. Boy, howdy, is she not a great singer. But <laughs> that that weird, usually off-key vocal does fit really well with Paul. So like it does make this really attractive sound to it on the studio releases. So it, I love the imperfections. When they're done right, they're so much better than like the squeaky clean laboratory white uncomfortably unsettling uh, vocals of like the palatones where it's like this has been Mm -hmm. scrubbed queen. I can smell the rubbing alcohol (laughs) on these vocals. Like I don't, it's not good to me. Like it's too, like I'm almost getting poisoned because I can still taste the cleaning chemicals in this combination. It's too perfect and therefore I hate it. It's just I need a little bit of humanity in my
0: vocals and to your point they do bring that here in full force mm-hmm. i mean a good example of what you're discussing as well as last bison before they came out with inheritance they had an album called quail that covered a lot of similar tracks on it like switzerland's on there they had river rhine on there in addition to the other overlap is autumn snow dark i am tired hand so like A lot of similar tracks that are done in Inheritance and exactly like you're describing, the Inheritance is juxtaposed to Quill with production value. But I still like circling back to Quill every now and then because it does have that sense of I caught them in the barn singing the folk music. The vocals are not polished in the slightest. (laughs) And I don't know. I agree. There's some. I don't know. Like there's charm to that. There's a draw to that. Yeah, I mean just kinda of like Tony Bennett. You have the intimacy to it because you don't have it like scrubbed clean, right? Like you kind of feel like you're more attending a live performance in that sense, right? right. Exactly.
1: Is it my turn? It is your turn, yes. Oh boy. Okay. Here we go. Ha ha ha. All right. <laughs> oh. Well, I can already tell you you're not gonna like this
0: one. Oh, not very
1: much one. I, I can tell you because this is one of my least favorite ones on this record. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Just give me a minute.
0: listen to this album to be honest with you
1: you really revolver is arguably the best beatles album other people say the white album other people say sergeant peppers but it
0: revolver's really good i just don't know if i can really abide beatles i they have good music don't get me wrong just i I, it's not like i want to sit down and ever listen to the beatles if that makes sense so i don't like that chord
1: progression they have on that piano. So I do want to talk about the chord progressions, yes.
0: It's very cacophonic. It like just sounds like they're in minor key yet. They have this like upbeat vocals, if that makes sense, right? So yeah, the
1: song is intentionally written in a a dissonant chord progression. Uh, so, it intentionally sounds sinister, because it's not a major key, it's not a minor key, it's it, it's dissonant keys. The intention there is to make it unsettling, because, I mean, the whole thing is like, I want to tell you about how I'm feeling and all of that, because uh, this is a George Harrison song, and he doesn't get a lot of songs on the album, on the Beatles discography, because, you know, it's usually the Paul and John show, um, and then George is over here writing music, or trying to write music, and usually not given the light of day by uh, Paul and um John, and Ringo's along for the ride, he's always just along for the ride, he's gonna be over there doing his job and then going home, but uh, George definitely strove to try making his own music on the band to kind of you know, never was really given that fair shake. And you'll see that reflected in a lot of his songs that he was able to get on, like actually released and finished with his bandmates. And it's usually a a feeling of like, I want to tell you how I'm feeling like hung up and I don't know why. Like, it's pretty clear he's not happy even this early on in their um, discography. So it's meant to be unsettling and kind of devilish in that regard. But it doesn't make it fun to listen to, to your point. This is
0: my least favorite... A song on revolver, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean I get the I get the artsy fartsiness of it all, but it, it does it does still I mean I listen to it and I'm like, Yeah, that's the Beatles <laughs> Like that's kinda how I feel about a lot of Beatles songs is I listen to it and I'm like, Yeah, that's that's them.
1: <laughs> so Uh, I still don't think you gave him a fair shake, but I cannot go to the defense of I want to tell you more than what I've already done about the, I guess, the historical context behind it. Because as just a song, I get what they're trying to do. I get the intention behind it. I get it's intentionally meaning to sound dissonant like this, but that doesn't make it fun to listen to. Uh, (laughs) So
0: I like George Harrison's other work. (laughs)
1: yeah he he does he does great work um obviously there's something in abbey road and then he's got his own self-titled uh double lp which is great but um uh yeah this is not one of his better tracks in my opinion yeah
0: all right all right
1: yeah
0: okay so my turn to hit the shuffle yep i've ever listened to this album in its entirety i I have trouble getting past the first couple tracks
1: yeah this is one of the better
0: tracks on the album though i mean i love the album art of this it's a very cool photo oh yeah so I'm, i'm more curious to see what you have to say because i know you're more you've been more of a fleet foxes fan than i have been okay
1: i do have a lot of thoughts on shore shore to me is disappointment and lost potential Because this is not a Fleet Foxes album. This is a Robin Pecknold solo release. That's what it is. Um, It is Fleet Foxes in name only. Now, I understand that Robin Pecknold is the face of Fleet Foxes. He writes the majority of the songs, sings all of the songs, like as the prominent singer, like I get it, but it's not Fleet Foxes unless the supporting members like Sky and uh, whoever else are all there singing their respective uh, roles. And that's not here. And that's because, unfortunately, of the pandemic in 2020. So he was not able to record with his bandmates and he wanted to get this out. So he's just like, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll sing my own parts and harmonies and then release it that way. So it is a self-release. It is not a Fleet Foxes album.
0: It's a shame they didn't hold off and re- try to record with the whole
1: team then. Oh, that's kind of a shame. I want to hear songs like Quiet Air, Gioa, uh, with the band like as a fleet foxes song but unfortunately that's not the case and i feel like the album as a whole is is worse off for the lack of the band's involvement they really need to be there it's missing that special oomph to it that i really need out of a fleet foxes album which is a shame because i think the opening couple tracks are absolutely amazing i love that they got a guest vocalist for waiting in waste high water i love that and I love the story behind how she got asked to be on the album, too, because apparently he got like a link shared on Instagram from like a fan singing or was it YouTube? wherever he got it shared with a fan covering one of his songs. He's like, I love the way your voice sounds. You need to be on my, one of my albums. So she there she is. And the beginning track of the album and it does give it an air of new ground, fresh start. But and then unfortunately, it's just it's not upkept. And then there's a whole lot of questionable production decisions made. I don't think it's mastered and mixed very well. Cradling Mother, Cradling Woman is supposed to be this huge rush of energy and it feels very muddied, it feels very congealed to me. I need to feel and hear all these different pieces around me and they've done that in plenty of past records, but here it just kinda melts into this stew and it's just not satisfying i want that song to be satisfying it's just not it just does not hit it and that it's not helped by me just hearing robin three times re-recording himself doing slightly different notes to get some semblance of a chord but it's just it it's Lost potential. I would have loved to hear this done actually as a Fleet Foxes album. I probably would be less hard on it if this was sure Robin Pecknold. Then I'm like, oh, cool. Robin Pecknold's just kind of doing his own thing. I think I would look at it less harshly now, but now I have to look at it in the Fleet Fox discography. And when you look at it that way, it's like, clearly this is the worst record they've ever done. Clearly it is not up for debate. It is just objectively the worst one they've ever done. So it's just
0: a real... A real shame, a true shame. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder, like, what happened, because if they were able to get on a guest singer, like, then obviously the logistics were there to get other people in the room. Well, I don't think she was in the
1: room. She definitely recorded it in her own home studio or own room, however uh, equipped she was for it. But it sounded fine. So however she got it done, she got it done. But it it clearly was not her recording in the same space as him. I don't believe that's how they did it, Um, because if you're right, if they did it that way, then then there's no excuse to not have
0: Fleet Foxes actually record Instead of just having the Robin Pecknold show. I think I, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Is that like if I were the other band members to be like, what the hell, man? <laughs> like, <laughs> You're getting this other person to virtually come in and help out. Like, why aren't you letting not letting? But like, I don't know. It kind of is kind of weird, right? Like uh, if yeah. the collaboration was reached out virtually to get the other person virtually in the room, like. Why wasn't it also on the other way, right? For the other band members. So a bit odd. Exactly. Yeah, a bit odd. Um. I, I honestly haven't listened to this one before, so I can't say I can comment much on it. But I'm sorry to say, you're not missing much. Yeah, I don't know. I I always like started it. And I don't know why. Just I kind of lost interest and kind of went to other stuff. I don't know. I, yeah. I I really don't have a concrete reason to say why I haven't listened to this all the way through. Well,
1: I mean, I'm going back to it. It's missing that spark um and that's in one part because of the piss poor production and it's another part because the bandmates aren't there and it's not a fleet foxes album it's fleet foxes in, in name only yeah that's a yeah, shame that's a shame
0: yeah yeah all right
1: is it my turn i need something better than this yes
0: it's your turn yes i i pulled fleet foxes so
1: Open up your sleepy eyes for me
0: (laughs) Okay, I'll take it. Ah, yes, Chicago. So, Chicago reminds me a lot of, like, Nasida, oldies, right? Saturday in the park, feeling stronger every day. 25 or 6 to 4 was always on the radio when we were up at our aunt and uncle's. It's... I don't think I will ever in my commute or day to day be like, you know what? I feel like listening to Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. That's it's, the move today. <laughs> it's it feels like a marching band is kind of why I best describe it. Like, I sure, it's pleasant to listen to if it comes up like on random. Like, sure, I'll listen to it. But I don't know. I'm not going to like seek this out. If that makes sense, no, I I agree
1: with you. It is music I never seek out and is perfectly acceptable pleasing music. That's yeah, pretty much it. exactly.
0: Yeah. Yep. I don't want to knock on it, but I just I don't think I'll ever seek it out, right?
1: Yeah, I picked this up from like a CD CD reselling store downtown uh, here in Philly as I was walking around one of these days, just kind of dipped in. I'm like, oh, Chicago, I I know them. Like, I'll, I'll pick it up and uh, I'll thwack it into the library. Why not? Because it's like. Two bucks or whatever. So sure, I'll I'll pick up a Chicago album. So that's why I have it, but I I rarely, I barely listen to it because yeah, to your point, that's pretty much that's pretty much uh, where I sit as well in terms of, you know, it's fine when it comes up, but it's not something I seek out. But I do get that Nasida, you know, vacation memories from growing up. Uh, you know, we're going up to our aunt and uncle's place in Wisconsin and just kind of lounging about as the parents drink cases and cases of Coors Light as we're swimming in that definitely not clean pond.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's like no risks taken. I don't know. It just all sounds like, yeah, that's Chicago, right? Very like safe rock in oldies, if that makes sense. I mean, it doesn't really have that energy of Boston or the suave coolness of Eagles
1: I get it, but to Chicago's defense, I mean, I think that's in part because of what Chicago is. It's not a set band. Chicago's like an umbrella term, and they bring in different artists or other artists come in and out to perform on Chicago 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, whatever. they've, They've been releasing how many records throughout the years, but like I'm not sure how much artist carryover there is from album to album. So they are trying new things with subsequent albums, depending on like who actually is on. But I don't know if that's even still going on. I don't know to the extent that was done. I don't know if it was something like, oh, Chicago chooses you or you volunteer to be in Chicago. Like I I'm I'm true, truthfully, I don't know the details of that. But I do know that it's not just like five guys in Chicago. It's it's Chicago's like that mantle assumed by whoever Happens to be on for that album and then, you know, they either stay or they go. So that might be part of it, but I would assume and hope that like the later on releases when they have like an entirely different cast of uh players that you'd get your variety. But certainly just concretely focusing on Chicago, too, there's not a whole lot of risks taken here. It's very serviceable.
0: Yeah, it's also got a lot of tracks for an hour and eight minute album it's so
1: long yeah why does it have to be so long i do not want to listen chicago for an hour and seven minutes get (laughs) out of here
0: yeah no (laughs) 20 whole 23 tracks worth right so
1: yeah god
0: no it's way too long yeah sir your turn all right time to pull a slot yeah we, we we need to land on something better here It's very bluegrass. Listening to them live was a lot of fun. They had a lot of energy, and this purchase was definitely a impulse purchase when we were there at the brewery. Of I wanted to support them in some way, um, and I didn't have cash on me, so I'm like, "Well, the next best thing I can think of is just buying their work on on uh, on the music app." So, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, uh, yeah, very country bluegrass high-speed acoustic music that has the energy that I think we all kind of loved and that got us hooked into um, uh, Mumford & Sons. It kind of has that energy to it with more of a southern twang. And that's that's kind of why I still like it. But yeah, let, let, me, know what you, <laughs> let me know what you think.
1: <laughs> Holy bluegrass, Batman. This is...
0: <laughs> yes, it's very bluegrass. <laughs> I'm just... I got my uh,
1: uh, saber here cutting through all these... Uh, force of blue grass growing all around me as I'm trying to
0: whack through this. You have to expect there to be like a 300-pound man in the back of a giant jug that he's just blowing on to get the hoot hoot sounds, right? <laughs> what do you play? The jug. Yeah, the jug. <laughs> right. As the viola's up there going, going in. Jesus Christ. Yes. So that's why they were a blast to watch live. They were very energetic and very into it and... Yeah, they're actually from, I think, around where we grew up, to be honest. I think that's where they came from. So I was like, oh, you know, like, I kind of feel like supporting them. And I don't like everything that's on their album. Everything they played live was awesome. But occasionally it is kind of fun if this pops up when I'm shuffling my music. I do like listening to them because I do have that energy that I do enjoy of kind of that bluegrass music. This is super fun. Um,
1: I don't really have any bluegrass. The only bluegrass I have is, funnily enough, basically the exact same scenario you mentioned, where there was a band playing at Rittenhouse doing bluegrass, and I was like, hey, like, that's fun. There's some people out here playing some fun music, and they got some CDs out. Like, I'll throw them, what was even five bucks? It was was nothing for a CD. Sure, I'll get it. And it's got some, like, (laughs) it spans the gambit. Uh, there's... A Johnny Cash cover, but then there's like standard bluegrass tracks of their own and all that. The White Cheddar Boys. The White
0: Cheddar Boys.
1: <laughs> the White Cheddar Boys. I but like yeah, that's, that's the one and only bluegrass album I have <laughs> in my library. So it is fun to hear another bluegrass thing, and uh, also to hear that you had very similar circumstances in obtaining it. I, I do wonder what the percentage of people that own a bluegrass record uh, were supporting a local band that just happened to be playing when they were walking around.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's kind of what I like about bluegrass is I don't get the sense that a lot of people that do bluegrass are in it at all to, like, become big. No. Right? It's more hobbyists, and people... That are like, I, I don't, that's not a knock against bluegrass. It's just, I think it, it tends to attract more of that. Hey, let's just get together and just kind of have fun with it. Right? Yeah.
1: No, I think you're right. I mean, the whole, the whole thing about it is it's supposed to be something that's like really energetic and, and exciting and uh, invigorating for like a cabin or like a, a family get together. Like that sort of feeling to it.
0: Yeah. Like this in my mind is the music I would expect to play during a fast paced dance off in The really early days of up north resorts when they would have dance nights. Like, this is the music I expect to be playing there. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I like it. It definitely has a place in my album or in my library. It always will. And it's just kind of nice to have a little bit of bluegrass in your life. All right. I I think we should each
1: get one more. And then I think we can cut it because I'm going to have a nightmare editing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last song, don't fail me now, iTunes. (laughs) I need this. okay um I have to admit something I haven't listened to everything in my <laughs> uh, my uh library this has been on my list to listen to for three years oh wow four years I have not heard this song before <laughs> or if I have it was once as I was getting like halfway through an initial listen and then not finishing but um this was oh God I'm trying to remember the exact circumstances. I was listening to a record, and Kai was like, oh, this reminds me of um, Nico. And I looked up uh, one of the songs that he recommended, and I was like, oh, Chelsea Girls. Like, yeah, no, this is kind of interesting. It it reminds me of whatever other artist I was listening to at the time. So I snagged this up with the intention of listening to it. And I never did. (laughs) So it's just here, sitting in my library. And the other O is that this is eight minutes. (laughs) So um, I... We probably don't have time to listen to this whole thing, both of us, but...
0: 1967? Oh, shit. Okay, so this is old. Yeah, this is old. No, maybe this is just bad music hurts homework for us both. Well, I have nothing to say. I don't <laughs> either. I would take that as homework.
1: Other than I am ashamed that I have not yet listened to it. I'm sorry, Kai. <laughs> uh, I'll do better.
0: Yeah, I have it on mine, surprisingly, because I think you sent it with some of your stuff, so... Um, I could I can listen to it as well. Mm, there you go. Right. huh. Alright, last last poll. Chelsea girl, I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Alright, Michael. Hopefully you don't have as embarrassing a Alright, come uh, on, Gary needs a
0: new pair of shoes. City sits alone. full once now
1: disown.
0: All right, this is a good one to land on. Last Bison has seriously only gotten better of age. I stand by that. Suda, I've really enjoyed. I like Dorado. The only thing that disappoints me still to this day about Last Bison is they need to re-record Virginia and give it the production value it deserves. Because that album freaking killed live. And I listened to it afterwards. I'm like, it's not the same. It's just not the same, unfortunately. It really was a shame. Yeah, but this changes everything. Yeah, I don't know. I like Dorado. It's the perfect duration. It's got some nice, good, upbeat folk uh, music going to it. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's pleasant, good, last bison. Yeah, for sure. I, I do
1: have a lot of fond memories of this album in particular because I was... Uh, they've arrived and played at the World Cafe in Philadelphia a few times, and I've seen them, not every time, but I've seen them a decent amount of times there now at this point, and, uh, I was there for one of their recent performances. They have one of the bandmates there manning the merch table, and... I forget what we talked about. Um, just kind of shot the shit for maybe a couple minutes and bless his heart, he gave me the Dorado EP for free. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know, right? So insanely nice band, insanely good memory. And to your point, yeah, they always, always put on a good show. And I think that time I saw them, that was when um, Suda was yeah. new. So it was like, a very trimmed band, like, what is it, just the three of them then at that point, I believe? Yeah. And mm-hmm. even then, they still they still really put on a fantastic show, so they know what they're doing, for sure. Um, and I was worried about it, too. I'm like, oh, man, all of the past band members, like, that was where the energy was. And I was mistaken. The energy is with everyone,
0: and it just changes, but it's still they still bring it. Oh, yeah. To your point, I remember seeing um, After Inheritance with Amy when she owned the condo downtown. Actually, no, it was after Virginia, I think. we, Yeah, it was after Virginia we went to see them, I believe, because they were playing Virginia music. And it was like uh, one of those bars that has like a stage and the stage is a generous term. You take a step and that's the stage. Yes. <laughs> so one of those, and it was all standing seating and the room couldn't have any, been any bigger than maybe 700 square feet of, like, general audience space, not including the stage show. Pretty compact. All the sound mixing was in the back. The band members, to your point, they put on a damn good show. They were out in the audience dancing with people. They, and every, everyone was, like, circling around them. And I don't know. It was it was good fun. It was good fun. They they have a lot of energy. And to your point, they're insanely nice. Like, when Amy and I went, the, the mother was manning the uh, merchandise stand afterwards. And who was it? It was... Uh, I think it was Teresa the violinist that used to be in the band the, the shorter violinist and she came up and was like shooting the shit with Amy and I for like the entire time we were in line and we we I picked up I think a t-shirt and oh I got like a little Virginia booklet and they all signed it and all that it was good fun
1: yeah I got that too oh but you, I didn't get it signed It's
0: <laughs> oh, where do I have it now I think about it I have it I think at my desk somewhere I'm on the side shelves, but um, yeah, it was good fun. I, I agree. They they put on a great show, and Dorado is just a great EP that has just that that energy. And I really like the ending too. You are the only one it has a lot of good oomph to it towards the end, and then they end on a very nice sweet note. So great album overall for sure,
1: and a great song to end on. I think for our mm-hmm. little uh, music roulette we have going on here. I didn't know how this would go, (laughs) but I think for as little prepared as we were, I think this went pretty swimmingly. This is a lot of fun to listen to stuff that uh, in some cases I wouldn't have listened to otherwise most of the time, and in Nico's case, that I haven't listened to yet, and I am ashamed.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think this will be fun to kind of rediscover our libraries in a sense, right? Because we've both built up a large library and backlog of stuff, and inevitably stuff gets missed for listening to so it's kind of fun to see like oh yeah maybe i should try listening to shore all the way through and hey i i've seen this nico album i've never poked around in it so maybe i'll i'll go poking around in it so exactly Oh, I don't know if you necessarily
1: need to listen to Shore all the way through, but that's just me. Uh, But anyway, thank you, Michael, for uh, hopping on to do this with me. And hopefully after a few more, quote unquote, actual episodes, we can return and do something like this again. Yeah, I think it would be good fun. I agree yeah and uh thank you listener for tuning into whatever the hell this was (laughs) the songs and uh things we referenced throughout the show will be linked in the show notes if you don't know where the show notes are they should be viewable in your podcast player of choice though not all podcast players do so you can always find those notes on our website badmusichurts.com that's hurts like the car company or hurts like it hurts me they both work um (laughs) this name is terrible but we're stuck with it we have it now it's we ain't changing it and um thank you for listening we hope to see you next time and take care
0: Our name really is terrible, though. Oh, you're not a fan
1: of the name? (laughs) It's so bad. I mean, but again, going back to what we were discussing before about a little bit of weirdness and bad decisions is not a bad thing sometimes. Like, there's this show that Kai listens to and watches all the time. It's these two drag queens. And the name of the show, I kid you not, is... Like, it's (laughs) a u. Uh, it's capital U, capital H, capital N, H H H H H. I think <laughs> it is completely unsearchable. It breaks Siri and Google Voice and all that. Like, because uh, w- uh, what search engine is going to think that the name of something is uh, and <laughs> it's it's the worst possible name? And uh, Trixie, one of the two. Queens running it has said numerous times like, oh, yeah, it's a bad name. I wish we hadn't chosen it, but more or less it is what it is now. But that's kind of fun, though, because it's You say, uh, and people know exactly what you're talking about, and it's kind of, there's a camaraderie about how awful the the name is at this point. So, I aspire to have Bad Music Hurts, that terrible name, be added to the pantheon of terrible names that are beloved by listeners, even though (laughs) the listeners for us are currently a, a hall of zero, but, you know. Hey, we do this for ourselves. It's, it's Recorded
0: Book Club. Exactly, exactly.
1: But yeah, I, I don't like the name, but I don't think I have any intention of ever changing it. Unless you had a great idea. I think we are, for better and for worse, stuck with it at this point.
0: <laughs> hey, I like to play on words because, yeah, I don't I like to play on words here of hurts. That's just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: It's a clever play on words. That's perfect.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Hey, well, you, you also have a new dark mode out now for the website. So, yeah, yeah, finally. It's about time. I put off doing
1: that for so long because I made the very greenhorn decision of, oh, I'll do custom themes for each article or podcast page lord help me that makes any changes you want to do to the site theme itself a pain in the ass because then if you want to do it properly you need to go in and do it to every single one uh so that's why it took so long but i'm glad it's done i got to go in and like tweak some of the themes again so you know some of the more questionable decisions have been toned down and i I think it looks good i think it looks good it does look really good and i like how it does
0: it automatically
1: too yes of course of course but yeah i i it was a long time coming and I'm happy to see it out there. Yeah, from here on out, it's just a matter of making sure that any new episode mm-hmm. also supports the theme. So that's a minor change for each additional thing that needs to be added. But it's mm-hmm. what I signed up for. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but I also fixed the kerning on the, uh, you know, the album art as well. So if you compare the album art that's on like uh, iTunes right now on Apple Music right now not for a particular episode, but like the show's album art, and compare that to like, let's say the Shield's album art, you'll instantly see what unholy monster of kerning is going on with this title. Because the, the typeface I chose for the logo isn't good. It's not good at all. And part of what makes it bad is the minute you bump up the size To the size you need to be like a logo or something It just completely breaks Like the spacing between any given character Is just completely off And there's actually some like artifacts as well If you get a high res version of the album art You'll see like little skin tags hanging off the C And around the dot of the I Oh yeah Oh, I I see the
0: spacing between the H and the E Oh boy
1: (laughs) Yeah so All of that has finally been fixed. Um, So in the newer builds of album art, uh, our newer album arts from here on out will have these fixes. I'm not going in and retroactively fixing all these old ones. They are an historical artifact at this point. But the newer uh, album art is uh, is corrected and I think is uh, is better. It's still not great, but it's
0: better. So it's the little battles. Take the little wins. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, I'm surprised that this didn't totally crash and burn. Pleasantly surprised. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. It worked okay. It worked okay. And you got new nice mug shots of us each, too. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Of
1: course, it's so important. Um, But uh, yeah, next time, it would be very nice if we were able to do Apple's SharePlay. I'm just going to throw that out there. It would be very nice,
0: but... Yeah, I mean... (laughs) What is actually the cost of one of these things?
1: I I am I am kidding though. You don't don't get a new laptop. You don't you don't even use your laptop. That's why you didn't even know it was two major rev- yeah. versions behind. Soon to be three major versions behind. Well, let's just
0: see. I, I'm just like curious. Like I'm not gonna do okay. It, but let's see here. MacBook Air. Okay, it's a grand. Oh well, I mean it's like a new phone. I mean I, my phone was a grand so. If I got another laptop, it would be an error because I don't need the Pro anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what you're saying is it'll be about another grand. Yeah, it'll be about another thousand. About another thousand. That was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. What was it? That? That's that's the acronym for boat. Bust out another thousand. That was it. The creator, Dude Dad, on on YouTube created video series that was so relevant because then <laughs> Dad's boat. Um, took a shit and had an issue and sure enough, it was about $100,000. <laughs> it's just like, God damn it. <laughs> Don't buy boats, kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a trap. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. A thousand dollars. Can't say what are, what's the difference between M1 and M2? Oh, it's just the second gen chip. Okay. Yeah. It's the second gen chip. It's, it's a modest
1: improvement over the M1, but what you're looking for is the, uh, the new design on the new m2 macbook airs which is very very nice
0: i was want to say they look nicer
1: yeah they are a brand new design so i'd say if you're getting a new air get the get the new 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 air but again i don't think you need a new laptop because you don't use your laptop and uh, i was kidding please don't get a
0: anything new for the podcast <laughs> I like, though, what they're doing, how they're it doesn't come to this, like, taper razor edge anymore. It looks nicer. Oh, yeah, the teardrop design? Yeah, that's gone. Yeah, everything's, like, boxier. It's got actual, like, contact pads on it, too. From everything I've heard, it, it sounds like it's a great machine. And they're back to MagSafe. Like, why, oh, why did they ever depart from that? I will never understand
1: Yeah, the the 2016 to 2000, like 2018, early 19 era Max are bad with the exception of the iMac pro they were all pretty pretty bad um it was a dark time for Mm. apple hardware design for like their mac lineup unfortunately but things have been so much better as of late the new macbook pros are beautiful the new uh, macbook airs are amazing uh they're just firing on all cylinders and mostly making good on the previously poor decisions they made um in starting in 2016. So
0: it's you know. We're in a new gilded age. <laughs> this is cool. They got touch ID two again. No fan in the air. That's pretty cool. Yes. Mm. Fanless all the way, man. Cool, cool, cool. So how was uh how is Beach episode? It was great. It was really a nice time. Yeah,
1: it was a very quiet I mean it was a What was it, a Thursday? So, I mean, it was pretty dead, which was nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, pretty quiet. It's kind of funny because there wasn't much of a beach when we arrived. Like, it was pretty much you walk off across the boardwalk and there's like a tiny strip of beach and then there's the ocean. But as the day went on, the ocean receded, receded, receded. So, it's like the... Beach grew by like three times by the time we had left, which is pretty cool to experience. And left like wading pools and puddles behind that
0: kids were playing in. So it was just a really nice sort of... It was a nice place. Yeah, it looks really nice. I'm looking at the photos right now, too. Where was this again? What, what beach location? Sea uh, Isle in New Jersey. Oh, in Jersey. Okay. You guys literally went to the Jersey Shore. N- n- okay.
1: First of all, I mean technically correct but no (laughs) there there is a true jersey shore which we did not go to and then there are many shores in jersey but not all shores in jersey are the jersey shore yeah there's there's
0: jersey shores then there's the jersey shore yes exactly (laughs) you are right that we went to a shore in jersey that is a factual statement
1: other than that mm, no